This video is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creative people where millions get to explore together. Skillshare has got thousands of classes. As artists, you're going to love discovering topics in fine art, illustration, and more. Lots of Skillshare classes are under 60 minutes. With short lessons, you can fit them into the busiest of schedules. I decided to watch TikTok Masterclass, a complete guide to using TikTok with Angel David Weatherston. This class was such a great primer for getting to know the ins and outs of all the features that I could tap into as a new TikTok creator. I love that there were so many concrete specifics that were explained in this class, like how trends work on TikTok, accessing and finding sounds, and also video production specifics, like how to adjust clips, filters, and video speed. The first 1,000 people to use the link in my description box will get a one-month free trial of Skillshare Premium. Hello, everybody. Today, we are going to be talking about how to find your art style. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at ArtProf, critiques, tutorials, and professional development. This is a question that I would guess every artist here listening has probably asked themselves at some point. Tell me in the chat, how many of you here feel that you have found your art style? How many of you feel that you are centuries away from ever knowing what that could possibly be? And I think what's hard about this topic is that with social media, there's an absurd amount of pressure on artists to find their style because that's what performs well on social media. Knowing that an artist does a very specific subject, there's a distinctive look to the way that they make their pieces, that's what artists are known for. And so you can't really fault artists for feeling like, oh, I really need to find out what it is that I can do to stand out amongst the crowd. But I do think that it cannot be very helpful to a lot of younger artists, especially. And I know this because I have people who talk to me about how they are so behind and, oh, everybody else has it figured out. They all know who they are artistically. And then I'll say to them, well, how old are you? Are you somebody who's been working in the field for many years, and they're like, no, I'm in high school. I'm like, you're 16 and you're worried about not having a style. That is a consequence of social media. Because you know what? <laughs> when I was 16, I didn't even heard of this concept of artistic style. It just never even occurred to me. And I have to say, even when I was in art school, I wasn't really thinking about it and I really am gonna blame it on social media because I just think the rhythm of social media, the way the algorithms curate what people see, that has really enormously influenced the way a lot of artists think they're quote, supposed to proceed. So all the artists that I'm showing you right now, these are all artists who have been on live streams with us, they've shot tutorials with us, and I think you can see by looking at the slides that there is a degree of cohesion to what you see in their pieces. Sometimes it's the same media. There's a certain way that they happen to draw people. There's a certain color scheme that they happen to use. And so you can certainly spend time 
thinking about that and noticing it. It's always good to look at different artists. But what I would really caution people to do, if you're thinking about your style, don't rush it. If you really want to find your true, genuine artistic style, it should evolve naturally. This is not something that you aim for. You don't say, well, I got to find it by February. <laughs> like It doesn't work that way. You don't just wake up with a style and boom, you're done. You're set for life. It's not like that. I think that's such a common misconception because I've been working as an artist for many decades and I feel like I'm still evolving my own style. And I'm going to show you a bunch of the bread fairy images later. And I think you'll see that I myself, I am still working through all of those different steps of how you get to a style. And so I would just say, if you're worried about having a style, number one, don't worry about it. It will come, it really will. But it's not something that you like go pick up at the store. <laughs> it's like, it will eventually emerge. For example, Rin Jeff says, my style found me. Exactly. That's the way it should be. It's not something that you make up your mind to have within the next three months. It's not a static process at all. Mayari says, I haven't found my style. I'm a beginner, still looking into it, trying every style, medium, and techniques. I'm interested in incorporating personal values too. Take however long you need to take. Because I saw this happen with one of my peers when I was in art school. He was a brilliant artist. I mean, there was nothing he couldn't do. He was taking all these different illustration classes and puppetry and all these cool things. And he just make this spectacular work all the time. And I remember looking at him and thinking, oh, man, he's going to be a superstar <laughs> freelance illustrator at some point. And then I remember when we graduated art school and there was a lot of pressure on people to get established as a career, he just totally switched gears, stopped making the work that he was making in art school and switched to this one really particular style that I had sort of seen around in the commercial art world. And I'll tell you, it was the worst work I'd ever seen him do. It was boring. It didn't have that same spirit and liveliness that I thought his prior work had. And it was a real bummer. And I know it's because he thought that's what the professional art world wanted him to do. That was the expectation that he would come out of school. Here's my style. Now I'm ready to work. Okay. Now I know it's frustrating to feel like you have to wait for your style, but it is worth waiting for. And guess what? Trying to find your style and trying out different things is really fun. <laughs> so it's not like the time between finding your style and arriving there isn't fun. It's just, it's not something that I think people should obsess over the way they oftentimes do on social media. Ab is asking even years. Oh, I think minimum, I mean, if you're thinking about your style in terms of months, that is way too short. I mean, I can tell you that 
I don't think I started to remotely feel like I had a style until I was out of grad school. I felt like in grad school, I was starting to get there. It wasn't until about two years after grad school that I started to really feel like I knew who I was. It takes that long. And I'm a hard worker. I wasn't just bumming around <laughs> all those years. I was keeping myself busy, doing all kinds of things and experimenting and making a lot of terrible work. That's what you have to do. Here's the thing, people want easy answers. I saw a video popped up in my YouTube home feed the other day. It was how to be a better artist in 10 hours. And it just drives me insane because my answer to how to find a style, it's not easy and it's not fast. And it requires a lot of patience and a lot of thought and people just don't want that. I mean, that's probably why YouTube doesn't like me because <laughs> I don't tell people that they can create their CalArt sketchbook in five hours. It just doesn't work that way. This is a lifelong journey. Think about your style like that. This is not a destination, okay? You're just continually traveling. That's what you're doing as an artist. That's for me the fun part. I wouldn't wanna have my style be some sort of final destination and there's nowhere to go after that. I don't think that's good. I mean, here's the thing. It's different for everybody. And I definitely know that there are many artists out there. They'll find their shtick, this thing that works very well, very popular. And for some artists, they're extremely successful, like financially, they do very, very well. But it is very easy, I think, to get pigeonholed into being a one trick pony. And some people are fine with that. Some people are like, yeah, I want to just keep doing that. I'm not happy with that. I would not want to just find a style and do it forever. I feel like that would be very boring, but it's up to you. It completely depends on what you're looking for. Ripple of Aqua says, I was always told you have to have a recognizable and unique style in order to get shows, commissions and sell the works. Depends because each one of those contexts is very different. And honestly, depending on how you quote package yourself, you can really be somewhat of a chameleon sometimes and you can keep some of those worlds very separate. I mean, I have an online shop on Etsy and to me, that's just my yard sale. Like, like I don't really care about my shop that much looking cohesive. It's all over the place, but I do sell work there and it's fine because that's not my like number one priority. So it really depends on the person and what your needs are. Ashley's Paper Heart says, the more work I produce, the more I see my style emerge, taking years for my style to find me. When I create without thinking about my style, my work feels more authentic. Exactly. Because if you are going out there and you're saying, I need to find my style, inevitably, the way you get to that look is usually based on what you see other people doing. And there's a lot of people out there who just totally blatantly rip off other people's style. And by the way, if you're wondering, you cannot copyright a style. Greg Kanan, who is a lawyer, he's been on a stream with us to talk about copyright. That's a question we get a lot. Can you copyright a style? You cannot, in case you're wondering. And so the thing about all these styles is that 
it's got to come from somewhere. And it's like people can tell when it's not for real. For example, and it happens in illustration all the time. Like I had this illustration professor who was like really hot stuff in the 1980s. Like every magazine wanted to hire him. His style was in vogue. He was really good at it. And he said that his style was so popular that art directors would actually hire other artists to quote, do his style. Like literally they would be like, okay, we want you to do this guy's style. That's what we want. Not even trying to hide it. And so that is something that is very common where a certain look catches on. And then all of a sudden that's what everybody's commissioning. Alex Rowe, who is a brilliant painter was told so many times at children's book conferences, listen, this style that you have is not in vogue. People don't want work like this right now. You have to make work that looks like this. And he said, well, I don't want to make work like that. And so he just realized that there was no place for him in that particular niche. And so actually what he's doing now, which I think is very exciting, is exploring fantasy because he hasn't really done that as substantially before. I think he was trying to do children's book earlier. But it can be disappointing to hear that, to be told, oh, you're just not trendy right now. I mean, that sort of stinks. But if you think about great artists, they're doing work that stands the test of time. I mean, that's really, really hard. Colleen says, I hate how maintaining a, quote, cohesive and, quote, pretty Instagram feed feels so constricting. Oh, I could not stand that. If I didn't feel like I could just post what I wanted to post and I had to worry about like, oh, does it fit? That would stress me out big time. And I don't feel like I would want to make work. I don't feel like it'd be fun for me. Tell me in the chat, do people feel that that need to look cohesive and perfect constricts you? I'm sort of past caring. I already have a following. So for me, it's not really a big problem. I'm sure I'd be singing a different tune if I didn't have a bigger following but it is something that becomes a problem. Yeah, like Magyari says, it's more debilitating if you have something to prove to people, especially in an unhealthy amount. Chris says, I think the individual style evolves over time. We make more art in a style, which is interesting to us. We keep making it as long as we are happy making it. Yeah. It shouldn't be something that is really hard to do. You know, I think if you think about this, <laughs> this is the way I like to consider it. You ever seen these people on American Idol and they're singing and they just look like they're in pain. And it's like you watch somebody like Aretha Franklin, she acts like it's the easiest thing in the world. And I'm sure it feels great for her because she's not trying to impersonate anybody. She's just singing the way she knows how to sing. And that's phenomenal. And that's when it's fun and it feels, quote, easy, even though we know it's not, because I think it's way harder to pretend to be somebody else as an artist than to just be who you are. I think that that's very stressful. Charismatic says, if I've ever felt it, I haven't acted on it. I just post what I want to, even though I haven't posted in a long time. Well, see, that's the thing is I feel that if more of us don't give in to that expectation that Instagram has of artists, it's going to make more people think that it's okay to, 
oh my God, not be perfect all the time and not turn out masterpieces every second of every day. It's such a big disservice to younger artists. And that's why in our discord, we now have hashtag my art prof bad. And we all share our quote, bad artwork in the discord. And I just think the more we have exposure to people sharing and being willing to say, hey, I'm not perfect all the time, that's really gonna help quite a lot. Anna says, I also think that styles generally evolve over time with bursts of major progress. My latest painting is what I call a groundbreaker for me. I know, isn't that strange how you can feel for so long that just nothing's happening, you're banging your head up against the wall. And sometimes that's the sign that you are so close to a breakthrough and you have to just stick around because it's true. There's nothing consistent about it. Being an artist is not better, 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 better. It, it's not. It's a total roller coaster. You have no idea what's going to happen. Progress is never linear. And it's not an easy process and it's not straightforward. AB says, I worry if I post too many random things, people will be bored. But if I post too many singular topic things, people will be bored. Well, then they're bored. Just do whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you can't win with any of this stuff. And, and so why even bother trying? Because he, here's the thing. I realize with Art Prof that the people who will appreciate what you're doing, they will come find you. Okay. Art Prof, our channel, it does not fit the template of your average YouTube art channel, okay? We have multiple artists. We all work in different fields. I mean, you'll find a stream here about Spider-Man as often as you'll find one about Rembrandt. I mean, like how many YouTube channels do you know that do that? And I think for the longest time, I was trying to conform to those expectations of, oh, this is what a YouTube art channel is supposed to be like. But then I realized, you know what? I don't want to make a channel like that. So I'm just going to make the channel the way I want to make it in my style. And the people who are going to appreciate that are going to come find me. And that's one way you can think about it, that if those people feel the need to be satisfied by the same thing over and over again, maybe you don't want that audience. Maybe that audience isn't who you want. And I think a lot of people watch us because they don't want to be told, I made my art school portfolio in three hours, because I think a lot of you here do appreciate time and effort and patience. These are all things that are part of the artistic process. And those people who want to be told you can do it in two hours, I'm like, I don't need you guys hanging around. <laughs> like, I don't need you telling me these things that I so know are not true after so many years of experience. So I would just say, don't force it. Have fun having your style. And you you will get there. I mean, Deep D, I met her when she was a freshman at RISD. She was probably like 18. She was not making work like this at all. Okay. I remember she did this drawing about her grandmother for her final project. And it was a cut paper collage. And it was very like beautiful and elegant and it was black and white and look at the stuff she's doing now i mean you would not even know that was the same person and yet you have to think about how much experimentation how many different things deepy had to try to get to that point in fact when i got in touch with her several years later because we were 
trying to get her to join ArtProf. I remember I saw her animation stuff. I was like, what? Like, I totally had like whiplash because I didn't recognize the work. Like she had changed so much as an artist over those years. But that is a really important part of the learning process. You, you don't learn by being static. You don't learn by doing the same thing over and over again on repeat. It, it just becomes, like I said, that one trick pony thing. Jane says, I'm with the group that isn't trying to maintain a huge following too. I'm a quote, bad <laughs> Instagram artist and that I don't post often enough. I want to do more work in progress posts, but usually forget. It's fine. <laughs> you know, it's like Kat was telling me, she's like, yeah, I haven't posted in a while. I'm like, yeah, but is that your priority? She's like, no, I got other things. I'm like, yeah, so who cares? There, there are these sort of impossible standards. I mean, who can do all those things and feed themselves? It's like, hmm, I could update my Instagram feed or I could have a clean living room. Hmm, which one should I pick? <laughs> For me, it always comes down between the house and what's happening in my work life. Good question from Lisa. Other than time, any suggestions to explore and find your style? Really, I think hands down, the most important thing to do as an artist is to try as many things as you possibly can and don't make any assumptions about what you think something will be like. Because I remember Tony Janello, who was my RISD professor, he invented that Karen Dash crayon technique that I love now. And I'm using it right now. I was using it last night. I was watching X-Men, Dark Phoenix, and I'm sitting there with my Karen Dash crayons. I remember when I was at RISD, I would oftentimes see student shows. Okay, a lot of the student shows would have artworks from his class. And I always knew it was from his class because it was the Karen Dash crayon and oftentimes the images were very bright and colorful, like rainbow colored. And I remember I looked at those drawings at the time and I was like, oh, I don't really like the way those look. They're all rainbow. Like it was not my taste. And I remember thinking, I don't want to take that class. I see everybody doing that. It's sort of the same thing over and over again. And then my senior year, Tony taught a portrait painting class. And I thought, oh, that's not the crayon thing. Okay. I'll take that class because I know it's painting. And you know something, he, one of the most influential professors in my life. And I had written him off for so long because I thought that that crayon technique wasn't gonna help me. And it was that crayon technique that helped me truly understand color. And I'd struggled with color for years and years and years. And it wasn't until the technique that I assumed <laughs> was useless, I did it and it, blew my world open. So just never make assumptions. Like people will say things to me like, oh, well, I'm a painter and painting is all about color. I, I don't want to work in black and white. There's no point because color is so important to me. And so I say, yeah, but you know what? Sometimes if you put color aside, you can address other things like value or maybe composition that maybe we're getting a little lost when you were thinking about color. So I think just not making assumptions about what you think is good for you, what you think is bad for you. I, I think you would be very, very surprised that a lot of the things you don't think are good for you actually might be. Sometimes you're right, yeah, but other times you are totally wrong. So just never write things off. I, I find it's funny. 
artists are known for being so ooh, loose and open and creative, but a lot of us are not. A lot of us are very close-minded and don't want to try new things. I did that a lot. And it took a lot of time for me to realize, hey, Clara, that's dumb. Don't ever do that. By the way, everybody, we do have premium tracks that we are offering in January. These are four week long classes. You're gonna be working with me and the staff. We are offering character design, figure drawing and anatomy in MFA portfolios. And the registration deadline is this Friday. So you only have a couple days. We just ran a premium track last term. We're running one right now and I love it. So if anybody's interested, take a look at this. The links are in the YouTube video description below. So Carolyn's Art Adventure says, I definitely have trouble doing the same type of thing many times. I need to switch it up. Yeah, sometimes if you do too much of the same thing, it's really easy to just fall into automatic pilot. And then it's like you're just walking through the motions. You're not really pushing yourself. And your work, consequently, sometimes it can get very stale. And, and sometimes just you're bored. You know, like it's not good to be bored when you're making your artwork. So I'm always a fan of changing things up, no matter where you are. I don't care if you're 16 or if you're 83. It doesn't matter what your experience is. It's really helpful to have all of these different means of working. So here's an interesting comparison. I'm gonna show all of you right now. These are multiple bodies of work that I have done as an artist over the past several decades. So each slide you're looking at now is a different body of work. Okay, so I'm showing you three drawings right now. This is from a series I called Waiting. But for every slide you're seeing, there's like 20 or 30 other pieces. Okay, so this is like a whole bona fide body of work. And so if you look at these, there are some correlations. This is actually sort of within the same series. So this is waiting, but the thing is I tried all these different techniques. So in the beginning, I actually did these ink wash drawings for a little while. Later on, I switched to these crown drawings. So the same theme, but I was trying out something different visually. But isn't it amazing that I can go for making work that looks like this? This is very graphic, very clean, almost sparse and empty to work like this. This work is totally different. I mean, I think that if you told somebody these are two different artists, they probably would believe you. So just because you found one style, it doesn't mean you need to stop there. You can keep reinventing yourself. It's sort of like Madonna. <laughs> Everybody remember Madonna in the 80s? Come on, older folks, help me out. You know how like every year she would reinvent herself and all of a sudden she's the material girl and now she is dancing in a cowboy suit, whatever she's doing is kind of like that. Crispy Paintbrush says, my half-sister is a professional art teacher who does realism in oil painting. I often feel pressured to make things, quote, realistic, but oftentimes my favorite art I create is simple doodles. I think that's a really good observation that you made because the thing is, no style is, quote, better than another. It's totally a situation of apples and oranges, okay? And one thing I will tell people is if you're putting work out there to sell, 
or to get freelance work or something like that, don't show work you don't want to do. Because I've had people say that like, oh, well, I think if I make realistic oil paintings, people will hire me more because that's more popular. And I'll say to them, yeah, but do you like doing realistic oil paintings? Like, no, I hate them. I'm like, well, then don't do it. Like, don't tell people that's what you do if that's what you don't want to do. Because guess what? That's what people are going to hire you to do if that's what you show them. So that's why I say to people like Crispy Paintbrush, let's say you were trying to become a freelance illustrator. I would say to you, listen, in your portfolio, send out those doodles. Look at the New Yorker. Half the New Yorker is, quote, simple doodles, and some of them are brilliant. So, yeah, th there's pressure. I can see people feel that about, oh, this style is more popular than this one. Maybe I should do that. But ultimately, you're going to be really miserable. It's like I had a lot of students in art school who were having trouble finding out what major they wanted to do. And so they would say, well, I want to do graphic design because it makes money. And I say, do you like graphic design? No, I hate it. I'm like, you know, you're competing with people who actually do like it. <laughs> and I'm sorry, you just can't measure up. You one person that's passionate, one person who hates it, but is just doing it for the money. Of course, you're going to lose out in the end. Cameron says, I stopped caring about my style when I stopped and realized I can have multiple styles because it still comes from me. Absolutely. I mean, some people might look at the work I'm showing you now and say, oh, come on, Clara, these are not as different as you think they are. But in my head, they feel different. And it's weird. Has anybody ever had this happen where sometimes I just feel so scatterbrained with my work and I'm like, oh, I, I, I can't tell what my style is. And people are like, oh, come on, Clara, everybody knows what your style I'm like, I don't see it. And so sometimes you have to ask other people. I mean, I know for these bodies of work, a lot of these were made for professional exhibitions. And so I, I had to make them cohesive. It, it wouldn't have worked because of the context that I was showing them in. So it's very deliberate. Like I really was like trying to make a body of work. But you can see I'm not somebody who can just do this forever. Like if I said, somebody told me, Clara, you can only make drawings that look like this for the rest of your life. I'd be like, see ya, I'm gonna go be a chef. <laughs> make me really sad if this was truly the only style that I could ever do because it's not fun for me to have to deal with that. Seven Angelic says, style is hard to see from the inside of your work can be easier to ask for an outside opinion. Exactly. I mean, we all need that fresh pair of eyes. Now, see, look at this. Okay. So these are mesitants. I did these, I think, in 2014, a while ago. And I was doing all figurative work for the longest time. I totally convinced I, no matter what I did, it was always going to be a figure. Nope. <laughs> I guess, I guess it just took a trip to Taiwan. And I'm drawing fried crab stands at the night market. I'm drawing trash that's on the side. I'm drawing this decrepit hotel building on the right. This is pretty different. And I did not anticipate this. I did not plan it. I just happened to go on this trip and this is how I ended up drawing. And I, actually it's funny because sometimes people think that there are all these big creative decisions. Honestly, I just was like, hey, I'm traveling internationally. I don't want to bring a billion colors. <laughs> so I'm just going to bring like these five markers just for practicality reasons. And it actually helped me a lot because 
I could just focus on the brush pen, which I hadn't had a lot of experience with at that point. And it did make the work feel a little bit more cohesive. So I, I was grateful for that limitation because it helped me in the end. Carmen says, I'm experiencing this right now. A lot of artists I follow are transitioning to digital art and I feel like I may have to in order to keep up, although I'm not a big fan of digital art. I don't think, Carmen, you have to do that unless you're working at Pixar and they're like, you have to do this in Photoshop because that's what the whole team is using. And if you refuse, you can't be part of the team. Like if something like that happens, yeah, sure, of course, you, you need to oblige. But there are so many different illustrators out there now. There are a lot of them doing digital. But then I think about people like Kadir Delson, totally traditional oil paintings that take forever and ever to do. He's like a modern Norman Rockwell. Nobody's doing what he does now. Everybody's hopped onto Procreate and he's still doing his thing. So who cares what other people are doing? Darian says, for a long time, I was always into character design animation. Now I don't know anymore. Sometimes I feel it's not enough for financial stability or to make a difference. Will I still be happy? I can't give financial advice to anybody, but I can tell you that if you go into something already knowing you're not going to like it, that's not a good sign. Because here's the thing. Every single field, there's crap you got to deal with, okay? The crap I have to deal with here at ArtProf, okay? Spreadsheets. Like, <laughs> I always talk about spreadsheets because they drive me bats and I hate them. But there's so many things about ArtProf I love so much that I will do the spreadsheets. Like, I will just buckle down and be like, I hate doing these, but I'm going to get it done because I know doing that crap enables me to do the fun stuff, which is like talking to all of you, being in the voice channels, seeing what you're doing and talking to like that to me is so valuable and so fun that I will put up with the crappy grunt work because I know it gets me to that place. Kay Wu says subject can be considered style too. Like some artists only draw cats but we'll do it in a variety of ways. I think yours is food and figures. Yeah, it, it was never food before. <laughs> it was always figures. Now it's food. I mean, Louis Wayne, his thing was cats, that he was the cat man. So it can be any different things. Now, here's the thing. So we just looked at multiple slides of multiple bodies of professional work. Look at what I was doing in art school, okay? This is just a random selection of just stuff I did from all these different classes. Now, I'm sure some people could look at these and say, oh, come on, I can still see you in there. I still see your style. But I hopped around a lot. I mean, does everybody see this pen and ink illustration on the right? I would never make something like that. To, it's basically like a really crappy Edward Gore drawing. <laughs> like, it is so not what I would ever do today. I'm probably never going to draw like that, but I'm glad I had that experience. Or even things like this figure that's sitting in the space, this French horn, like these are not subjects that I get excited about. These were class assignments and so I had to do them. But I think the important thing is that I had a range of experiences. Ha! <laughs> I love this, Anna says. The crap you choose is so much better than the crap that's chosen for you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Charismatic says, I've noticed a difference in how I work. 
when I'm actively trying to make a piece, it's often more, quote, pleasant. But when I'm just absently doodling, it's a lot more macabre. And I think I should explore it. You should. And oftentimes it's those pieces that we think are, quote, guilty pleasures that actually are wonderful. I mean, Lauren has been doing all these really wonderful bird paintings. And she kept saying to me, oh, I don't think these are really substantial enough. I'm like, are you crazy? That pigeon painting was like my favorite painting I've seen you do for so long. So never dismiss what you're doing as, oh, it's not deep enough. If it works for you, that's fine. Somebody will identify with that. So look at this. I mean, for a while I was drawing violins. <laughs> don't ask me why. Look at that still life. That is not me. Okay. And then these, oh, these stupid figure paintings. <laughs> I was doing so cringy to go back and look at all this stuff. But I'm happy I have these experiences. I'm happy I made these dippy child portrait commission pieces because these all made me a part of who I am. Even though a lot of those pieces are, oh, not good. And by the way, if people didn't know about the art dare, the art dare actually is perfect for this because the art dare is to take a single subject and draw it in 20 different styles. And so I'm, I'm curious to hear who here in the chat is doing the art dare and what has been your experience? Because basically what we're doing is we're condensing in one month what I'm telling you is a lifetime for people to find that experience. But it's fun because it's like you just have one month, you pump out all these different styles and you start working in different ways you normally would not have. And it's very exciting. So let's talk about the bread fairy because you know what's funny? I did not plan the bread fairy thing at all. Like I, th this was a total one-off watercolor painting. I did not paint in watercolor that much at the time. I did this painting like three years ago. This is an old painting. <laughs> I know it's pathetic how long it took for me to produce the video, but this was just a random painting. And honestly, I didn't do any bread fairy painting for, yeah, because I wasn't even in Utah when I did this painting. And so there was probably like a two-year gap between the bread fairy stuff now and that bread painting. Okay, so it's very disparate. I'm showing them together, but they actually don't have a lot of relationship. And honestly, a lot of the other bread fairy stuff, it was just me going, oh shoot, I have a stream today. What am I gonna draw? <laughs> like, okay, here, I just took these photos. These are fun. Like they were not well-planned at all. And a lot of these I did not finish. I just left them. But sometimes you get surprised. Like I did this piece, not really having any expectations. And I was really surprisingly happy with it because my whole thing about the live streams is I always go into them not having any expectations because when you're on a live stream and you're reading comments and answering questions, you're just so distracted. You can't like really focus. So that's why I just know that the artwork I make on a live stream, it's inevitably compromised because I just don't have the mindset for it. But this one, got me excited and the streams are all available on our channel, obviously, if you want to take a look at that. And actually I've never shared this one before. <laughs> See, aren't you glad you showed up? So this is a tutorial. I shot it, it's in the can, just haven't had time to edit it. And it's the Bread Fairies carrot cookies. And these are soft pastel. And you'll see these last few Bread Fairy Images, these are all soft pastel, okay? Soft pastel, not really my forte. I've used it, but 
not something I feel that comfortable with. And so I did these carrot cookie images and they had this sort of landscape like quality that was really fun. But I haven't picked up this drawing for a while. And actually I was looking at it today. I was like, ah, you gotta go back and work on this. <laughs> so many things that are bothering me. Like right now I'm looking at it and I'm bothered by a lot of things. So I don't even think this piece is finished yet, but the tutorial is shot and it's in the can. And then I did this stream with Lauren. And so this image was actually started as an acrylic painting. And then I added oil pastel on top. And again, was like sort of surprised by the results. And I've done a lot of marker drawing. So marker is not new for me. But oh man, painting stuff like this was because I'm not used to bright colors. I'm not used to subject matter that's just so pretty that it made me noticeably uncomfortable. I mean, look at my prior work. You can understand why I'm feeling that. But this was a departure for that reason. And then I started doing these colored pencil images. And honestly, again, it was not because, oh, I love colored pencil. It was because, oh, these dreams are pretty short. I have to do something that's fast. I don't want to do something that's too messy. And this piece, I did half of it on the stream and then I finished it later on. I had actually came back to it after not touching it for a couple months. And then I did this one. This was just a random one-off. This was not on the stream. And I just want to frame all this by reminding you, all these pieces we're looking at, they're, they're totally scattered. They're, they're not any continuous train of thought or anything. It's just like, oh, grab this piece of paper, grab that, the stream's starting in 10 minutes, let's do this, okay? And so finding your style, it is not something you plan at all. So Pat says, I'm using the art dare to try new media and see what happens. I've got charcoal and acrylics on deck and I've never dealt with either. That's wonderful because it's all going to the same place. All of those experiences, that crummy pen and ink illustration, it's in me still and it's embarrassing, but it's telling me, Clara, don't try to draw like that because you're really bad at it, <laughs> which is valid. And this piece too was kind of a wreck on the stream. And honestly, the reason I went back to work on it was because I didn't have to, but sometimes at the end of the live stream, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> drawing that I do that just the compulsive part of me is embarrassed and wants to like prove that I don't stink that bad and so I'll go back and work on it I know it's really stupid like it does not matter at all like nobody cares but I just do it anyway and then this was another piece that I hated on the live stream oh my god it was so bad on the live stream I did watercolor and it was a mess and they look like rice balls and so afterwards I worked on it with colored pencil I actually got excited about it. And this was a piece that was supposed to be a marker drawing, but I wasn't able to get a lot of the detail with the marker. And so I ended up going over it with colored pencil. And this was sort of a breakthrough because it's like a super rendered drawing. Like I'm usually very gestural and very loose. This is a pretty tightly rendered image for me. But the thing is, I kind of love it. <laughs> I kind of love the rendering. Like I love that slow blending, it's just very fun for me. So the experience was great. And then this was a piece, this is done entirely in Caran d'Ache crayon. It was this very like gooey <laughs> brie. And then I got into taking more photos. Like 
before I would just sort of show up and take a couple photos. And now I'm like shooting photos at her house. The last meal we had at her house was Thanksgiving. And this is not an exaggeration. I shot over 700 photos. And if you go to the Flickr, there's about 30. So I curated 30 photos out of 700 because I'm picky and I want the images to look a certain way. And so my photography has grown and the experience of being at her house and also living here as well, because I didn't live in Utah before. We only saw her once a year. And I just finished this one last night. This is a rosemary sorbet. So fun. And this is crayon. Most of it was colored pencil to get started. This one I did not do in a stream. And it was with this piece, I was like, you know what? I think I sort of have a handle of what media I want to use. Because the last few pieces I've done, we scroll back. This is the first one on black paper with colored pencil and crayon. And then I did that here again, here again, here again, and here, the sexy bread. If anybody missed it, this is a recent stream. Think about all those images, okay? If I go like all the way back to the bread fairy, started here three years ago, it took me that long to figure out maybe black watercolor paper with colored pencil and crayon is the way to go. I mean, it, it's not something that reveals itself that quickly. I'm not even sold on it, okay? I'm just thinking, oh, this is sort of settling in. It's just sort of doing it. Like I was not planning that, it just happened to be that way. I'm still evolving. I hope all of you do. Forget about all that Instagram crap because nobody wants to, have to live like that as an artist. It's like being an artistic prisoner of Instagram. You want to be able to draw what you want to draw and not do the stuff you feel pressure to do, but the stuff you love doing. Everybody, we have an art prof share today. Very excited because we have somebody here who did the painting basics track. If you do not know what our tracks are, they're sequence of video lessons and prompts that you can follow to learn a particular skill. Because a lot of people find that, oh, they really wanna learn painting, but they don't know what skill to learn first. They don't know what projects to give themselves. And so the tracks make it much easier for you because you don't have to search around trying to figure out what to learn first because we have a whole plan laid out for you. So congratulations to Manette Eaton, who says that they're a self-taught artist making art consistently for a little over a year. And Manette says, I was starting to feel like I wasn't improving, thought the track might push me out of my comfort zone, which it did, and was not excited about every prompt, which is fine. That's exactly what the track's here to do, is to get you to do things you wouldn't ordinarily do. And the sky painting was a struggle. Landscapes are not my strong suit, says Manette. Um, Manette says the favorite was the last one, painting animals. And this is great. Manette says, my biggest takeaway was not being too attached to my original plan. There are multiple pieces I had to redo. None of them turned out quite the way I planned, but I consider them all a success because I still learned something. Absolutely. So let's see what Manette did. This is the master copy. So for the master copy, Manette chose Alice Scheel, who I never heard of before. So I always have so much fun finding new artists. 
this is the sky painting. And I believe Manette did watercolor for the entire track. The tracks are designed so that you can use any material you want, any type of paint you want. We do recommend that people pick one type of paint for the whole painting track. So you can see Manette's doing watercolor. And Manette, I love this. This is one of my favorite pieces you did in the track. I just think it's so delicate. I love how simple the colors are, that beautiful shadow that's falling on the play. This is such a delicate piece. And then lesson four was to listen to a sound effect, create an abstract painting. And, oh, I believe this was the, oh, maybe I have that out of order. Anyway, <laughs> and then we have the rose painting, which is here. And you can see how different the colors are because if we go back and we look at this, the colors are very, very light, very delicate. And then look at how rich that purple is in the rose. And so really we're seeing some wonderful effects. Kala Ray, sorry, I'm mispronouncing your name. Ka Kale Racy is the track free. So we have the track curriculum is 100% free. You can access it anytime. The premium tracks are when you get voice sessions and feedback from staff, okay? But the curriculum is free. So you can totally go here, get the lesson, get the video and all the prompts and do it on your own. And you can also hang out with people in the Discord who are doing the track. We have a whole channel just for that. And I love, oh, this is one of my favorite pieces, Manette. It, it's so textured. I just love all the speckled marks towards the bottom. Suction cups look very like juicy. <laughs> I just, I love how tactile this painting is, Manette. So congratulations on finishing the painting track. Doing the track, it's not a small thing. I mean, there's a bunch of people who have finished it, but it's a fairly substantial commitment. But I think a lot of the people who have done it have found it very rewarding. So go to ourprof.org and check it out. This is the channel in the Discord, ourprof tracks, that you can all check out. I will be in the ArtProf Discord and post live streams if you want to come hang out with me and chat some more about all kinds of other things. And remember, there are many ways you can support ArtProf. For example, you can pick up some ArtProf merch. The link to our merch shop is in the YouTube video description below. You can also purchase an artist call. This is where you can speak to one of our staff one-on-one -on -one because sometimes with all the video resources, they're helpful, but sometimes you just really need to talk to somebody so they can give you really specific customized advice. So we've had a lot of people purchase calls because they want career advice or maybe they want counseling about art school or something like that. So these are great options. You can speak to whoever you want and more information is on artprof.org and in the YouTube video description below. And a big thank you to our top Patreon supporters. There's so many ways to support. And when you support on Patreon, that is so important because that guarantees that we have a monthly budget because <laughs> without the Patreon supporters, there is no monthly budget. And we're trying to hit that $6,000 Patreon goal. We are getting there. I like cried when we went past 3,000. I was like, oh my God, 4,000. <laughs> I've never seen that before. And remember, our prof has a podcast. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. Subscribe to our channel. Like this video. Leave us a comment. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. I'll see you next time. Bye.